This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome, everybody in the U.S. and around the world. You're listening to Baseball Outside the Box. Can't thank you enough for joining us. Don't forget, before we start, thank you to ESPN Honolulu for joining us and all of you in over 100 countries. Cannot thank you enough. You've really helped us get the show out. Remember, this is a show that loves to interview baseball's best coaching minds who love the challenge, the status quo. And let me tell you, we got a great show for you today. But before you do, let me tell you this. Um, don't forget, help us out. Continue to do it. Go to BaseballOutsideTheBox.com for the audio. Check out Peter Caliendo YouTube, also Facebook. Subscribe. Get the show out. And we will continue to try to bring you some of the greatest shows in the game of baseball. And today, it's a special one. And I'll tell you why. Because we have a gentleman who is the head of MLB International. I'm going to introduce him in a second. But let me tell you, he's a Chicago guy. Yes, grew up in Boston, but then went to Chicago, Adlai Stevenson High School. I'll tell you later on how we learned. I learned about that. He's got a BA in journalism, MBA in finance. Now he's got a big background. We're not going to go through it all, but listen, Chicago Cubs, assistant director of PR, also with the Rangers, Nike, public relations. I mean, he's got so many backgrounds, 15 years overseeing the growth of baseball, actually 16 in Asia. Um, and the commissioner of baseball asked him to be the MLB Senior Vice President of International Baseball. Um, what a great, great individual and a huge responsibility. As you know, we're in over 100 countries, but there's a lot more playing baseball all over the world. And one of the reasons is because MLB has been so progressive in developing the grassroots level and also the high levels of baseball around the world. We're going to talk to the man in charge of this, Mr. Jim Small. Jim, how you doing, buddy? Pete, I'm doing great, and thanks so much for inviting me on. I love what you do, um, what you've done uh, with WBSC to help grow baseball around the world, um, everything that you've done, uh, and, and, and I love the show. So uh, it's an honor to be on, and I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And I know your times, uh, you're, you get a lot of things going on, and you'll be going to Turin, Italy. I'll see you there in a couple of days with the European Championships. Um, so I, let's just rock and roll and get started because I think, you know, you and I have something in common. That is, I, you know, we do what we do because we love the game of baseball, especially the international game. Um, you know, I, I love MLB and I love the game in general, but, you know, it's something special internationally. So before we start, talk about a little bit about, you know, what you think, why you think international baseball is so, you know, special and why you have a passion for helping the game out in all, you know, around the world. You, you, you hit it right in the head. I mean, you know, we grew up in the United States. And so um, baseball has been part of our lives, the, the, our entire lives. Right. And so it's it, it, we've been involved with it, you know, since uh, I have since I was four or five years old. Um, but to go to um, the Czech Republic or go to Brazil or go to even Cambodia, some of the places that you and I have been to and see people that care as much about this game as we do. It's both humbling uh, and it's really, really cool. And so I am really, really lucky for the past 23 plus years 
to bring, you know, America's pastime to the world. Uh, and, and it's a really, really cool thing to do. I'm looking forward to talking about some of the things you guys have done and some of the things that you're you know, going to be doing in the future. Um, but, let, you know, let's start with this. You know, let's talk about, you know, since you've been involved in the game worldwide from the beginning, what are the major differences that you've seen, in, you know, internationally that's really helped develop the grassroots level and also the elite level? So, you know, one of the things that we talk about um, in what we're trying to do with growing the game and, and obviously then growing, hopefully, our business is creating social permission um, for kids, boys and girls and their parents to come to baseball. And the best way I can describe it, you know, growing up, as you mentioned, I grew up in Boston in the 70s. And there weren't a lot of kids that played soccer, really, you know, unless you're, you know, little unique or you're a foreign exchange student or, or you know, you, you didn't you didn't decide that you want to play football, basketball, hockey or baseball. Um, you, nobody played soccer where in my town. And so that changed. Right. And it took a generation to change because the social permission came for kids throughout the United States to play soccer. Um, and, and that came through more participation programs. It came through uh, the success of MLS, uh, the success of women's soccer, I think in the United States really helped bolster that. So now you have great athletes who choose to play soccer in the United States um, over football or basketball or baseball. We need to create that same social permission for kids in non-baseball countries to come to the game of baseball. And I think that's what I've seen more and more um, in, in places like the UK or in Germany or in France or uh, in China, uh, where, where kids can say, hey, baseball is an international sport. I want to go play. I, and I think one of the things that's been really, really impactful for that and really sped up the, um, the, the way people have embraced the game uh, is social media, is, is digital media, the ability for people to sit in Delhi, India and be a Chicago Cubs fan because they can see the product, they can consume the product. You know, yeah. Pete, you and I are so old that, you know, I'm sure you remember when you were first started going to Italy, trying to get that USA Today, um, you know, the next morning and see what the scores were from almost two days ago, right? Yes. Um, now, when I go to Europe, I, I'll watch a game on my phone. So that has really helped us, I think, grow participation, grow uh, consumption of, of baseball and, and for us for major league baseball. So I think that's the biggest difference is just the speed at which the game is growing around the world um, and, and, and the people that are involved in helping it grow. Hey folks, thanks for joining us on Facebook, man. We got a lot of people. If you've got any questions for Jim, just type it in the comments section. Uh, you know, you brought up an interesting point and, and look, uh, you know, MLB, you guys got an organizational plan that's outstanding. I know you showed it to me and what, what a plan you have. And, and you've had a plan for a long time, obviously, but it continues to evolve. Um, one of the questions, and I think this is globally, right? Um, you mentioned the word soccer. Soccer is so big globally that, you know, over the years, we, you know, whether you're in Europe or Latin America, it doesn't matter. You've got to compete against it in some ways. And I, just to give you an example, I was doing a uh, coaching program in Cuba. Unfortunately, be there like nine times, and and uh, one of the questions came up from one of the coaches. Um, you know, what about all this launch angle? My kids, you know, are twelve years old, and they want to talk about launch angle. So technology is big, but they also brought up the most important thing was 
they're losing some players to soccer now. I mean, this is Cuba. This is the he- the heaven of baseball, right? Just like the U.S. That's all they do is play baseball there. So what, what's you, what, I guess what's MLB done some suggestions, you know, to grow the game because you do have to compete against a sport that has a lot of action, right? When you're a young kid, we, I played it. There's a lot of action in it, right? Baseball sometimes can be a little slow. What are some of the things that you can combat to kind of battle that and say, well, baseball is fun also, but you got to show that. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good question. You know, it's, it's not just that, that baseball can be, um, you know, slower, it's also, it's very nuanced, right? And that's what we love about it. We love the nuance of baseball. And, and, and we've seen that in the research that we've done, which is the people that we get to become baseball fans love the game similar to the way that we do, right? That there is no clock, that, that there is, um, you know, that, that there's value in making it out if you're moving a runner from second to third or obviously third, third to home and a sacrifice. Those are things that take time to understand. So we know... And again, the research tells us that there's a correlation between participation and consumption. So if you've played the game of baseball as a boy or a girl, you are much more likely to be a baseball fan and you're more likely to make sure that your kids come on that journey with you when you're an adult, right? That, that they become baseball fans. So participation is really, really important. What we've tried to do is create simple hooks for this nuanced sport. And so some of those things are, we have a program that we run uh, in about 10 countries around the world called First Pitch. Um, it is it, 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 it is a schools-based program that is very, very easy to understand and easy to, to, to start. It is essentially T-ball, but it can also be played as kickball, right? We play kickball sometimes as kids. You know, a lot of kids at seven years old, six years old, don't have the skills to catch and throw. Or if one does, the other one doesn't. And that's a problem because one kid throws really hard and the other kid can't catch. Um, kickball is a good way to to as an alternative to that. Um, we look at what the WBSC has done with baseball five and, and, you know, it, it, it's spectacular, right? It's, 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 again, it's easier. It's, it's, it drops some of those barriers. So simplifying the game so people can come to it, grow with the game and then, and then uh, enjoy the nuanced nature of it later. One other thing that we're, we're looking to, to launch soon, we had success in something in, in 2017 uh, in Hyde Park in London. It was a home run derby. Uh, and, and we had some former major leaguers, Sean Green and uh, Carlos Pena and uh, Cliff Floyd, a few other guys. Um, and, and basically um, it, was, it was called the Home Run Derby X. It was a combination of all the things that are kind of fun about baseball, right? It's, it's the culture, it's the music, it's the food, but it's also simplifying the game. You don't need to understand a drop third strike to appreciate some guy hitting bombs, right? That you right. ball, if you hit the ball over the over the fence, it's 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 a point, right? That that's simplifying our game. And we're looking at taking that uh, in 2022 uh, global and, and taking it to different cities in Europe and, and in Latin America and in Asia uh, as a way to help um, again create a simple hook nuanced sport. So there's a lot of things we're doing. There's a lot of things that the WBSC is doing, uh, you know, to, to make sure that everyone feels welcomed uh, to become a baseball fan. Yeah. And I can speak on with the WBSC. I, I agree. What a great program, baseball five. And again, reaching those young kids, 
You don't need a lot of equipment. It's one ball. You bounce it. You hit it with your hand. You know, it's hand-eye coordination. It's easier to hit. A lot of action. I think that's what kids are looking for. And the other part of all this, Jim, is, um, and, and tell me where if I'm wrong here, but it's a kind of a, I know there's a lot involved in the middle, but it's a kind of a two-pronged system to stay balanced where you have to grow the grassroots level. And even as a federation, and maybe speak to the federations around the world about this, but also, you know, they're concerned about the high level, the national team program, because that gets funding from their Olympic program. So you got to be careful, you know, that you don't overload one or the other too much. You kind of have to balance it, right? Absolutely. You know, what we on the participation side, we talk about a participation pyramid. And at the bottom of that pyramid is reach. So it's getting as many bats and balls in boys and girls' hands as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and generally for us, that's schools program. So, you know, in China, in India, uh, in the UK, um, you know, in Mexico, we're going into schools, uh, often with the government, um, to put baseball as part of the physics curriculum in a place where it might otherwise not be there, right? So that's the reach part of it. But on top of that, on that pyramid, you have to have retention, right? So retention is play. So if reach is is just getting the bots and balls in, in kids' hands, you need to get, bring them on a journey. And that next step up is, is retention. That could be, you know, we work very closely with Little League. Uh, to, to try to make sure we're clustering little league uh, play programs near first pitch school so that those kids have a place to go after they they're turned on to the game. And then at the top of the pyramid is elite development. So um, taking the kids that that either want to or and or have the capacity to play at a higher level um, to give them the coaching and the instruction that they need to kind of take that next step and play for a national team or play for a college in the United States uh, or Canada or, or in, the, in their local markets, and hopefully to be able to play in Major League Baseball. The reason why that's important for us is because, um, I don't want to get too much in the marketing speak here, but we have a virtuous circle that we talk about. So if you imagine in the upper left quadrant of that, you know, participation, right? So, so kids have to play the game. And then you go down to that and you have, you know, more um, elite development of players. And that leads into major league players. And that, and that leads into more popularity for the sport because the game is seen on television, you know, our, our, our licensed products are sold more. And that leads to more participation, right? So it's this virtuous circle that everything's kind of connected. <clears throat> and we have that in a place like Japan and the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and Korea. Um, what we need to do is develop that in other parts of the world. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, that's why I really wanted to have this show. I think this is outstanding for people to listen to. And I tell you why, because, you know, Major League Baseball being out there in the forefront, um, everybody always looks and says, sometimes they might say things like, well, you know, uh, they're interested in selling this or selling TV or selling wearables or shirts and all that. You know, it is a business, but it's also a business to help develop the sport worldwide. Um, so you have to have both of those. You can't just give away everything and not make any money. Right. It, well, it, look, there, there is clearly, we know that we can do good and do good business, that those two things are not, are not um, you know, separated from each other. Um, and we know how important participation is to, to the growth of the game. The, the thing that I've tried to change on our side is we were, um, I think, a little 
um, I don't think we're focused enough. I think for many years we tried to help out people. Um, you know, somebody has a, 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 you know, baseball program and they need some bats and balls and we're like, okay, well, let's try to help them. And it, it, it really wasn't, you know, as, as, as clearly focused as we would have liked it. And the result was, you know, we didn't really help as much as we wanted to grow the game. So what we've decided to do is, is to really focus on a handful of markets. Um, as I say, we over-index on these, on these five markets. And these are places where over the next five or 10 years, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time um, and, and resources on, on growing the game. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, participation is a big part of that, but it's not just participation. We think there are three things that have to work in concert to grow baseball in these markets. And that's participation, it's content, and it's live events. And right. so if you have those three things working together, you have baseball in America, you have baseball in Japan, you have you know, soccer in, in Brazil, you have, um, you know, rugby in, in New Zealand, right? Those three things work together um, really to make any sport successful. And so the participation side, I kind of talked about already, the content side is, you know, American time zones or for the time zones of, uh, connected with American sports it, are, are really, really difficult. In other words, the World Series comes on at 2 a.m. in Paris and 9 a.m. in, 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 in uh, Tokyo, right? Terrible times to be able to consume the product. So we have to recognize that and work around it. And so we've gone, and again, the digital revolution has really helped us with that. But, you know, we can now have condensed games. We can now have localized content with influencers in different markets that are is, as I like to say, metaphorically putting their arm around this and saying, isn't baseball cool? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and creating that kind of content, as we say, the right content on the right device at the right time. And then the third thing is live events. And that live event can be um, an MLB game. You know, we were very uh, fortunate to operate the, that, uh, the, the Yankees Red Sox series, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2019 in London. Uh, look for more of that. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be in a position in the next six to eight months to announce some really cool places we think we're going to be able to go in the next play plan. Um, but some of it is is much more humble. You know, it's it's a um, it's a fan exhibit or fan facing um, opportunity where a kid uh, or an adult can get in a batting cage, you know, with the VR home run derby and go hit balls, right? Um, it's a place where a brand comes to life. So you do those three things. And now where do we do it? We're going to, like, as I said, over-index in five markets. Those, those markets are India, China, Mexico, UK, and Germany. Doesn't mean we're not going to do things in other markets, but, but we're going to, those are going to be places that we think in the next, you know, 15 years, baseball has a chance to really, really, you know, um, to, to grow, to develop deep roots, um, and to make those countries baseball playing nations much the way um, Japan is right now. Yeah, you know, and I love the other part you said about, you know, greater participation. And I, I want to jump on that for a second because, um, you know, I'm real passionate about the youth, the making sure that young kids play the game. And in order to, you know, it's great to get the kids, I'm kind of going backwards a little bit. It's kind of 
it's great to get the kids to play the game, but like you talked about it, it's got to be long-term and you guys have a long-term plan because, you know, as we know, and the commissioner knows this too, because he mentioned it, um, you know, at a certain age, kids are going to quit the sport. Now, I think sometimes we use excuses about, you know, uh, technology or they just do something else. I think a lot of times, it's just my personal opinion from my experience, I think a lot of times kids quit the game because it's no longer fun for them. And one of the reasons, um, and we have tremendous volunteers in the U.S. and around the world, uh, probably the biggest organization of, of coaches is your volunteers, even though it's not an organized group. But they're so critical and so important to that long-term development um, so I know MLB also has a coaching program that, and I know that and the WBSC obviously has a coaching program. It's so critical. Talk about how important that is. Cause it's not just about getting them to play the game. It's getting them to stay as long as possible. You're hundred percent right in that. And I, I can say that both from what I've seen um, in, in my job, but also, you know, I'm you know, living in Japan for 16 years um, I was a coach um, both in the Japanese system uh, wow. and, and in the uh, expat uh, system. And, and, and it was it was remarkable, the differences where the Japanese system, although the coaches on our team were just so dedicated to the to the players. Uh, and my oldest son played seven years in Japanese baseball wasn't necessarily a lot of fun. And, right. and it, it, it was a job. And so it was eight hours on Saturday and Sunday year round. And I couldn't believe my, my, my oldest stayed with it. My youngest didn't, my youngest did it for about uh, six months and said, I'm done. I want to go play football. Yeah. Um, but, but the other one uh, stayed all the way through, but then on the, I, I also coached um, expat teams and, and it was much more um, we try to make it more fun and more, you know, teaching the game, but, but also having, you know, uh, having the ability to understand how to make it fun and how to make it interesting and how to connect in with a 12 year old kid uh, is essential. So the work you've done um, and the work we try to do to coach the coaches, I think is essential because ultimately baseball will grow um, if we have coaches that and, and the vast majority of coaches I've met that work in youth baseball are this way. They, they, they care about the kids. They care about making it fun. They know the game. They know how to organize the game and make it, um, you know, make participation something that the kids look forward to do. Um, the other thing I've noticed in, in successful coaches, and, and again, I, you're way closer to this than I am. I, you know, I, I see coaches that know, that learn how to connect with different players who have different skill sets, right? And so not demanding something of a kid who at eight years old or nine years old physically can't do some of that stuff. Um, And and instead trying to find the positives for that kid and getting them to feel good about the game, I think is really, really important. And those those are the coaches I've seen that I've tried to learn from myself as a coach. For Major League Baseball, one of the things that we do and I'll give an example in China, we spent a lot of time coaching the coaches and mm-hmm. um, a guy, friend of mutual friend of ours, you know, guy named Rick Dell, who I, you know, yeah. very well yes, um, has, has done a really good job of, 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 of taking this, this, not just the, the, you know, hitting and throwing and, 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 you know, the, the tactical part of baseball, 
but the rest of the, of, of the game and the rest of the things that that coach should know and imparting it in coaches in China. And we've seen some success on it. You know, the kids like to have fun. They like to go out and play. It's different than some of the other sports that they play. And that's a selling point for us. But it all starts with the coaching. Absolutely. I love that you brought up Japan also because, you know, you have the extreme and that's a culture. You know, they can do certain things because of the culture, the way kids are brought up. And by the way, folks, Jim's fluent in Japanese. Amazing. Um, that, you know, I tried to learn some a little bit of Japanese and it was the hard. I mean, I speak Italian. That's a lot easier than Japanese. Um, but it, it, sorry to get off subject, but the uh, the area that I think is also interesting I think a lot of people do have questions about because I've spoken to them about this, and that is the technology aspect. You know, Major League Baseball obviously is using technology to reach out to kids, to reach out to you know more fans. Um, how do you balance using technology, which I think is important, and not getting them to be on using that technology too much because you want to get them out on the field? Really good question. Um, you know, the, the, the hope is if you get a kid playing MLB The Show or the other yeah. games that we have, that that will translate into them participating, right, and becoming players, right? Um, and, and we see that that has worked, right? There are, there are plenty of cases where we're able to make that transfer over. Participation in and of itself is not, um, is not a... a it's not a, a, a uh, uh, it's not the only KPI that we look for, right? So we can get a, a boy or girl who might play our game, you know, virtually and bring them along the journey to become a fan, and that's okay, right? We want to move them into that participation pyramid if we can, and so we try to do that. We try to align things. If we run a a uh, esports tournament uh, in in a in, you know, in a country, we try to align that with actual real participation. So you can say, hey, you know, you were just Aaron Judge out on the field here or on your on your PS2. Now go and try to become Aaron Judge on the field. So it's it's a challenge, but it's not something that is um, we worry too much about, because what we're trying to do is get in engagement and take these kids on a journey. And we hope that that's a that's both a virtual journey and a real journey. Makes sense. If they see the excitement on, on the game, you know, like you said about major league players, boy, that can get exciting. So I want to do the same thing. Makes makes total sense. I love it. I, I think technology is important in the game, not just from a promotional standpoint, but also, as we all know, from a coaching development standpoint, it helps. And we see it now growing more and more worldwide. The other part of this is you've got your pilot program. Um, I mean, excuse me, you've got your programs worldwide. Do some programs you know, when they don't work in certain areas, you got to make adjustments. Talk about maybe to the federations here, you know, adjustments that they may make, even though, you know, because a lot of times as a coach, you know, you're, you're going along, you're doing stuff, and this isn't working. I got to make an adjustment here. If I don't make an adjustment, kids are going to not have fun. Talk about maybe something like that. Yeah, you know, what, what we've noticed, um, you know, we the the strategy document that, that I kind of sent you and that we're working under right now, um, we spent a lot of time on that and we, we, that partly came from new information that, that we learned through research, but it, a lot of it came through just trial and error. And we know that there are things that um, work uh, and things that don't work. And so what we've tried to do is really kind of hone down and say, okay, what are we good at and what can we do um, and to, to help grow baseball? 
the, the important thing about everything that I just talked about in those, those countries that I mentioned is a really, really close link up with the federations. Um, and, you know, the, the, you know, major league baseball, um, essentially is, you know, we'll go in and we'll operate things. And if, at some point we will reduce that investment in that market. Right. And the federations will be there forever. This is their sport. This is their country. And really what we're trying to do is make baseball a French sport, a Chinese sport, an Indian sport. It's played in America, but it's not, it's not an American sport because we mentioned soccer earlier. Talk to Brazilian about soccer and try to tell a Brazilian that it's a British sport because it was founded in Huddersfield, England back in the day. You can't do that. You can't tell an Argentine that you can't tell a, um, you know, a German that an Italian that it's their sport. Right. And we have that in places like the Dominican and Cuba and, and Japan. It, it is, it's, you know, Japan, it's a Japanese sport played in America. And that's what we want to do around the world. So that only works with federations that are strong, that, that can, can help grow that, that pyramid that we talked about, reach retention and elite development. Um, and one of the things that we're looking to do in our relationship with WBSC is see what we can do to help that and help those federations get stronger, not just in those five countries, but elsewhere, that we can come in with some of the expertise we have to help them you know, grow and, 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 and really grow the roots that are needed uh, to have long-term success. Awesome. Hey, folks, if you're looking at uh, live on Facebook or YouTube, yes, I'm looking down at my phone. Um, normally, that's not respectful, but I'm looking because uh, we've got questions, hopefully, on Facebook, and I want to make sure if we do have questions, make sure you type them in the comments section and get to them. You know, Jim, the other part about this, uh, and I, you did mention this, and I want to just delve into a little bit more, you know, the communication and working together with whether it be the WBSC or any organization worldwide that's trying to develop the sport. Uh, just recently, about a, about three months ago, because of MLB and WBSC, you know, a new federation came about, Bhutan baseball, Bhutan baseball, right? Um, there's just a small example. I mean, I, this has been going on for a long time. Talk about the, the the relationship with the WBSC and other organizations. That's critical because. You know, it's just like coaching. We almost all have to be on the same page because if we're doing the same thing in one country, we're just overloading it too much with the same thing where we could be spreading it out a lot better. 100%. One of the things we've really, we've, we've had a relationship with WBSC and the predecessor of the IBAF for as long as I've been doing this, which is since 1998 on the international side. Um, but that relationship really has has grown, particularly in the last five or six years. Um, and, and a lot of that, you know, is due to the success that WBSC has had in, um, in things like the Premier 12 and, and taking, quite frankly, um, some of the revenue that they've made from that tournament and reinvesting it into um different programs and you know uh, baseball five as we mentioned earlier was a good example um the professionalism that we see in the way they operate the tournaments um you know the the, the television production um you know we talked about um you know federation support um you know i i think you'll you'll see something hopefully soon where you know we're we're looking to to formalize an agreement with WBSC, what we can work in uh, with them to help 
um, federations in, in developing countries where, where um, not just baseball isn't necessarily popular, but there are challenges um, that go beyond sports in those markets, in those countries, and ways that we can come in and work together to help, um, you know, not just the game of baseball grow, but, um, you know, sports in general grow. So um, we have an awful lot of respect for them. Um, you know, Ricardo Fricari, I think, has done a, a great job. I've known Ricardo for, you know, 28 years. Um, you know, Michael Schmidt um, uh, from, and, and there are many others. I hate to, to mention anyone's name because there's, there's a lot of really good, smart people there. So um, what, what I like about the relationship with WBSC is that, we can work um, uh, in alignment where we can do some things um, that may be a little bit different for them, um, but also that they're doing things, particularly on the federation development side and coaching development and you know, the WBC, WBSC Academy that they have, which is really, really um, impressive. So I think we can complement each other um, and, and make sure we're staying in, in the right lanes and continue to grow um, baseball around the world. Yeah, and folks, if you need to go, go to WBSC.org. That might be new to you. I know MLB is not new to you, but WBSC might be fairly new to you. They've done an outstanding job. I agree with you, Jim. Uh, the vision and some of the programs they've developed has really brought up the game, and you're seeing it by new federations. You're seeing it by participation growing. And, of course, working with MLB, that, you know, you have to go hand in hand. Um, your time is valuable. I really appreciate it, but I want to get to this. Um and because this question comes up a lot also. And folks, you know, we don't have a script. I'm just asking Jim questions. Um, you know, when it comes to, now we're talking about the highest levels. We got the WBSC, um, the World Baseball Classic. We also have the Olympics. You know, there's that fine line because I think folks sometimes don't understand this. You know, people always say, well, how come there's not major league players in the Olympics? You know, some of us understand it because you've told us um, it's not that easy. It's not like other sports like hockey and, you know, other sports where they can shut down the season for two weeks because they're not going to be playing outdoors in uh, November, December. So you have the Olympics, which you have to kind of balance and do your best to help. Um, but it's not easy. And then you've got the World Baseball Classic uh, at, at a high level all over the world, which is really helping develop the sport. Talk about both to, to our audience, how important they are. Yeah, I'll start with the Olympics. Look, we've been very, very clear since, geez, really since the late 90s when this first came up about baseball being excluded uh, after the Beijing Games in 2008. We believe that baseball belongs in the Olympics. We believe by every criteria that the IOC had set up that baseball deserves to be in the Olympics. We know that it is really, really important. We know that federations get money um, through the uh, Olympic committees in, in, their, uh, in their countries. Uh, so having baseball included as an Olympic sport is really, really important. We worked really hard, um, hand in hands with IBAF, you know, Harvey Schiller, who was the, the head of the IBAF at the time, and later with Ricardo Fricari. <coughs> we are continuing to work with them uh, on finding ways that we can, um, you know, put baseball back in the Olympics and, and keep it in the Olympics. Um, whether that, I, I'm not sure that major league players is, is the litmus test in terms of, of, of what is necessary to have baseball back in the Olympics. Um, but we will, we are continuing to talk to, to Ricardo, to, um, to Michael, we're taking our, our, our cues from them 
Uh, Ricardo's done a lot of work to, to have baseball kind of reinstated. Uh, and we're going to continue to talk to him and see if ways there are ways that we can and help him and assist him uh, kind of in his goal of putting baseball back in permanently, baseball and softball. Mm-hmm. Um, for the WBSC, some of your listeners um, may not know this, but WBSC is actually uh, owned and operated by Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. And one of the reasons we set it up is knowing that there was challenges with baseball in the Olympics and knowing where the IOC was headed. Uh, we set up the WBC to, to, to do a couple things. One is to have the top players in the world playing in a, you know, in a tournament setup that hadn't been done before, right? In country versus country, it never been done before. Um, and, and we thought that was good for the important, for the growth of the game. Um, but also we set it up because we knew that there would be money that would flow into federations around the world because it is, it is the world championship of the sport. So we, we hope that that would ha- help soften the financial blow to some federations mm-hmm. um, because baseball is being excluded from the Olympics. Um, we've had a lot of success with the WBC. I, you know, I would say that it was an instant success in everywhere except the United States um, in 2000, starting 2006, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the momentum that we saw in 2017 when the U.S. won what in the United States was um, was really, really important. You know, every every KPI was up our viewership in the United States, obviously the attendance, the amount of chatter that we would see about it. Um, So we had all this momentum and then we had COVID. Right. So it was one of the the many things uh, that really changed for all of us um, was just losing that momentum what should have been a 2021 WBC was postponed. We are hopeful that we're going to be able to be in a position to play this announced that the new tournament schedule soon. I think we will be playing WBC again uh, very soon. I think we're looking to um, ways that we can expand it, um, you know, alternative or, 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 uh, auxiliary tournaments that, that could be WBC branded, that could be kind of, you know, keeping people's attention between each WBC, the 21 and the, and, and, and the, what would have been the 21 and 25 and 29 WBC right. tournaments. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about, and I don't know if these guys may be your listeners too, but I, I just found my way onto a Facebook. Oh, you're on that as well too, the WBC 2023 uh, yeah. Facebook group, right? Yeah. And I think it's 30,000 members now. And, and I, I, I joined that in January. I've actually talked to some of the guys that, that operate it. Um, and it's, it's, it's so uh, humbling slash flattering slash exciting to see that there are these people that care so much about international baseball in the WBC. And as I told some of the, the guys that organized it, you know, it's easy for us um, on the business side of things to um, forget that there, that, you know, we, I believe in the WBC, but a lot of it is I see on, on a, on a PowerPoint, right. Or, or I see in budgets and stuff to actually hear these, you know, passionate, passionate men and women that care about international baseball and care about the WBC totally fuels us. Um, and, and we're really excited about the future of the world baseball classic, especially when we see that that is our customer base that cares so much about this. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I mean, as a fan, I can tell you that WBSC has been outstanding. Um, it's been so much fun to watch, especially the last year. I think that really catapulted it even to another level. And as you mentioned, you know, it it spreads the game worldwide. Um, it, it, it also, you know, shows young kids, you know, the opportunities that they have, um, not only, to, you know, to play at the major league level, because they're not all going to play there, but, you know, they've got college, they've got you know, their national team, they've got a lot of different programs that they can be part of before they get to the highest level. That's exactly it. You know, what we're, what we're trying to do, and this goes back to this idea of making baseball a national sport, wherever that nation is, right? You need to have a ladder so you can play on your local to your school team. You can play on your provincial team. Maybe you can play, you know, on your national team, right? Um, maybe college baseball is in there at some point. And hopefully, you know, the top of that is, is major league baseball, right. To play professionally and or play at the NPB or, or, or KBO. Um, but national team baseball is so important. And, and, you know, America is probably the only place in the world where club versus club competition is the ultimate, right. You know, the, the, whether it's the Super Bowl, you know, or whether it's the world series, whether it's the NBA finals, everywhere else it's, it's nation, national team. Right. If you're an Australian, you're a cricket fan. It's the Ashes, you know, England versus Australia. Um, if you're, you know, if you're in Poland, it's it's the it's the European Championships with your with your soccer team, football team, um, or it, obviously the Olympics and the World Cup are, are, the, are the number one and number two, probably depending on your position. Um, so we need to remember that. And I think as as, as sports marketers based in the U.S., we need to remember that. Um, there's, there's a whole big world out there and national team competition is really, really important. If we're going to, you know, find ways to help grow our sports. Absolutely. Jim, two more things real quick, and then we'll let you go. Um, get ready, not only for your, 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 your main job, but also you got travels coming up pretty quick here. Um, biggest challenge that you have when I, you know, MLB has to develop the sport worldwide, what would that be the biggest challenge? So, um, you know, I always say that everyone in the world is a baseball fan. They just don't know it yet. So um, it's up to us to explain it to them and, and, and that they are a fan or show them why they should be a fan. I think I think it's I wouldn't say it's a challenge. I think what we have to be is is, is patient. Um, one of the things that, that has been really, really impactful for me since I came back from Tokyo two years ago is I report. Uh, to the chief revenue officer and to the commissioner. Uh, and then I have a dotted line to 14 owners who are on an international committee. <laughs> and they are committed to this. They are committed to the long-term growth of the game internationally. And that is really heartening for me to know that they are prepared for taking a long-term approach, that it's not going to change overnight, that this could be in some ways, in some places, almost generational. Uh, until we see this, but they know that it's going to take time. So I think that taking that patient approach, I think what we have right now is the right approach. I think we know what we need to do. We just need to, to spend the time, spend the resources and take the time to go get it done. And I'm really, really optimistic about that. Love it. And I love the word patience because that's what we need in coaching. Also, we need a lot yep. of patience and, and work with the kids, have a lot of fun with them. Lastly, um, this is just my comment because I love international baseball so much. Um, folks, I'd love to see the all-star game uh, be international, you know, maybe the U S against the world. That's just me, Jim, but um, an idea out there, but to finish it off, 
Um, there's so much to this to unpack, obviously. This show could go on for four or five hours. Uh, you know, I just asked what I think, you know, what I wanted to know and hopefully help our audience. Last, anything you want to mention that we didn't talk about that you thought was critical to understand when it talks, you know, for our federations or for people around the world to understand what, what MLB is doing to grow the game. If there's anything last minute comments, it's yours, and then we'll close it off. Great. No, look, I, I think it is it's a big world out there and and the more people that we can get um to to care about the game um and to to really work uh, uh particularly at the grassroots levels on on getting more boys and girls to play the game is really really important it benefits everybody uh baseball to me and to you and to most of your listeners um are the is the best sport in the world um yep. i you know i i firmly believe that <laughs> but it's um it, it's it, taking it into new markets um i recognize that if you're um, in, in a federation head in a non-traditional baseball market, it's hard, right? It's hard to get um, uh, a share of mind space of people and get people's attention. Um, what I would say is that there are now resources out there for you that didn't exist before. And a lot of those resources are with WBSC. Some of them may be with us. Um, and so, you know, be, be strong, have patience, uh, persevere, and um, we need you. You know, we need you to, to stay, um, you know, as passionate as you can be. And uh, if there's ways for us to help, we'll look at doing that. Um, but there's some great resources out there, you know, take advantage of. Outstanding. Great way to end the show. Jim, listen, this has been an extreme honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks to MLB, MLB International. Um, can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, safe travel. See you in a couple of days in uh, in Italy. Look forward to it. Can't wait to watch baseball in Europe. It's the best. All right, folks. Jim Small from Major League Baseball International, Vice President, um, Senior Vice President. Don't miss that part. Senior Vice President, Major League Baseball International. Thanks for joining us. Also, thanks, Brian Crock, uh, our producer with Lineup Media Group. Thank you to all in the U.S. and around the world. Remember, stay safe. God bless you. Stay healthy. And we'll see you on the baseball field. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at LineUpMedia.fm.